A covert operation's being geared up in the Far East. Your name was dug out by the computer as one of three most able to complete the mission. Mission? Recon for POWs in NAM. Why now? Why me? Prison camp you escaped from at 71's a target area. Nobody knows that terrain better than you do. The risk factor's very high. You'd be temporarily reinstated in the forces, and if the mission's successful, there may be a presidential pardon. You interested? Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. It's good to be back for another week in the, the deep jungle of Latpak, something like that. Yeah. This might be the, the apex of the, the whole Latpak miniseries, really. Mm. I mean, we, there's a lot to unpack, but this is arguably like one of the most influential the Lat Pack era. One of the lattiest of the pack. Yeah, yeah. And if you're new to the podcast, this is you've caught us midstream in a miniseries that's titled Lat Pack Past and Present. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. What are you wearing? Size three? Bring it, happy feet. Stop being such a pussy. Are you crazy? Could kill me. That's how winning is done. I did nothing. The pavement was his enemy. Dylan! Son of a bitch. Did we get the win this time? And on this journey where we're tackling old lap pack movies and then the stars of the 80s and 90s, the Latissimus Dorsey pack of uh, action heroes of yesteryear, but then also tracking how they've evolved and, and, and how they are being reimagined for the modern era. Mm. So next week we're doing Last Blood, um, which I'm looking forward to. But uh, until then, we're very much in, in the land of uh, 1985 this week, aren't we, Greg? We are in 85, Tristan, yes. Um, the year the film yeah, came out, year. as it were. Yeah. Did you know? It was the year that they banned MDMA. Right. So God knows what was happening in 84. <laughs> That's why we get movies like Gremlins and shit. That was yeah, all 84, possibly. wasn't it? Oh, there's cool movies. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about that. I, I just thought mm. that was interesting. What does it mean? Um, it is interesting. Big year for many things. Keep going. It was the release of a little game that I think was the first video game I ever played. Oh, wow. A little game called Paperboy. Did you ever play Paperboy, Tristan? Oh, was it like in the like a Game and Watch thing, or was it in a console? Um, more of a console setup. Yeah, okay. um, it was in a t- published by Atari Games. I think it came out obviously on Atari, but I think there was a uh, Commodore sixty four version, right. which is I think where I first played it. But basically, what you did is you you were a Paperboy, as the name suggests, yeah. cleverly. Like uh, in the, the show Atlanta, I assume. Mm-hmm. You haven't watched Atlanta, have you? No. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I knew what you're talking about. <laughs> I respect your honesty, Greg. <laughs> Well, you get you get the idea. You're a paper boy, and you're on your little pushy, and you yeah. and you've got to like slow up and speed down, and you've got to press the button to throw the paper, and you've got to hit the house. But you know what? There's some obstacles. There's some wayward trash bins. There's some uh, Viet Cong. Potentially, <laughs> potentially, probably in the later levels, I never made to. But it was a big game, and it was maybe in Paperboy too. Maybe it was one of those ones that. I was thinking about this. I was like, because it's just a paper boy. That's pretty boring, you know, in the scheme of what you're looking for in a gaming release. Yeah. But boring games are, are, are pretty, you know, they're still popular. Mario's a plumber. Mario's just a plumber. Well, he does have to fight some pretty interesting primates and such. He does. But daily, <laughs> he's nine to five. He's plumbing. 
the whole saving the princess, that's just a side hustle, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It never ends. It is. Even the modern games, they've they got the mundane tasks, you know, Red Dead, our favourite. My God. This, but this thing I hate about those games is the mundane tasks. Oh, really? I mean, not, I'm not talking about the hunting and stuff. I mean more like the real mundane stuff. But, I, you know, like the campfire, you don't have to do it. Or fishing, you can just do it if you want to. They put it there if you want to. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Do you mean bits that are boring that you have to do? Yeah, like there was one um, in uh, GTA Five where you have to do yoga <laughs> and it's the most boring thing and really fiddly and I got stuck at it for eight. I stopped playing the game. Hold your anus <laughs> strong, my child. It's like quite early on in the game and I legit stopped playing it for like a few weeks. Like I was excited to play this game, but I was like, all right, let's fucking clear the calendar kind of thing. Mm. And I got to this yoga bit and I'm like, you fucking kidding me? Like this is fucking stupid and I keep failing it. It was fucking torture. You couldn't get the downward dog happening? No. I think Red Dead does it better because it's it's pretty contextual to what the game is. So it kind of still feels mm-hmm. organic to like the story. Because mm-hmm. why don't you want to indulge in some fishing? It feels like that's what the character would do and it's mm. you're soaking up the atmosphere. Mm. It doesn't feel as much of a chore. It feels like a, 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 it adds a richness mm. perhaps. Yes. The GTA Five, mate, ugh, whenever the sixth one comes out, if there's yoga in it, we're rioting. Well, what if they've got like Pilates or yoga lattes? <laughs> it's true. It's been a while. Going to be, mm. there'll be Barry's boot camp and yeah. there'll be CrossFit in there or some bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Paperboy, Tristan, 85. 85, big year. Big year for movies too, would you know it? Mm-hmm. Let me take you on a little uh, trip down memory lane on 85 uh, films. It's not just a big one for popular culture at large, but for Latpat culture specifically, because it's it's the year of Rambo First Blood Part 2, of course, but it's also the year of Rocky IV. Mm. It's the year of A View to Kill, mm. both of which have a little Dolph action in them, one a lot more than the other. Also the year of Commando. Wow. I mean, shit. This uh, culture had been building up to this point to unleash the lap pack upon the world. It's a tsunami of lap pack. Yeah, everything was leading up to this moment. It's kind of crazy. But more broadly speaking, the biggest movie in the world in 85 was Back to the Future. Mm. Um, Some other big ones in there, Police Academy 2, Teen Wolf, Weird Science, uh, The Goonies, number 11 that year. Um, But we're here today to talk about a little man, a little Italian man (laughs) off in uh, Vietnam way. Mario. (laughs) Oh, man, I'd love to see Stallone's Mario. Now, that's something. Story (laughs) by... Mamma Mia. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about Rambo First Blood Part 2. what is maybe one of the most confusing uh, naming conventions mm, for a mm, franchise. We've mm. talked about this before. When we, we have done First Blood, um, the first film, way back in a, maybe a year ago or so. So go dig for that one if, if you want to expand your Rambo chat. But uh, this one does have one of the worst, right? Because you got you got First Blood, then you got Rambo First Blood Part 2, then you got Rambo 3, then you got Rambo. <laughs> mm. You got Rambo Last Blood. Mm. Last Blood makes sense. It's a nice little nice book ending there. But otherwise, mm. it's pandemonium. Wait, did they introduce the second name, uh, first name? Was it John Rambo? Was it penultimate one, John Rambo? That's what I thought. Is it? Because I, th- I, I thought so. it was because around the same time, Rocky Balboa came out too and it seemed like that's what he was doing. He was making these legacy sequels with the full name. Mm. But when I looked it up, it just said Rambo. John Rambo Esquire. <laughs> the third. So I think um, hitherto forward, I don't know if those are words, I guess we'll just call this one Rambo 2 for sake of easy mm. easy chat. Second Blood. Okay, so Rambo 2 came out in May, Second Blood. <laughs> well, yeah, it's right there, Second Blood. Anyway. 
You could say that this is the first blood because no one dies in the first one anyway. But they drew first blood. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> How could I forget? So Rambo 2 came out in May of 1985, a budget of $25.5 million and a gross box office of fucking $300 million. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. Like I like this movie and I think of this as a big movie, but I never, I guess I didn't mm. realise how big it was because mm. it was quite a shock to me that it was the second biggest movie in the world that year. Mm-hmm. Me too. It, it brings me joy. I'm glad it was. But, you know, a lot of the movies we do, aside from like the <laughs> Arnie's with James Cameron and such, like a lot of the action movies we love are way down at number 72. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not so often number two <laughs> yeah. after Back to the Future. Rotten Tomatoes, though, slightly different story. Critic score of 33%, audience score of 60%, critic consensus. First Blood Part 2 offers enough mayhem to satisfy genre fans but remains a regressive sequel that turns its once compelling protagonist into just another muscled action berserker. Berserker. This is funny too. We, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes is maybe not the, the best fucking benchmark to use in these things because... Just another. He might have been. He, he may have been the first. We'll talk more about that later. But he's not just another. No, he's definitely not just another. He he started this. Yeah, like this is early. If this was made in 1998, then maybe you could say just another. But this is maybe just the first. The first muscled action berserker. <sighs> these critics <laughs> great. <didn't> they? <laughs> anyway, was this a big movie for you, Greg? Um, let me check my notes. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so we talked about Rambo. Like Rambo as a as an entity was was a big deal. Mm. You know, the knife we talked a lot about in the in when we when we covered First Blood, that was a big deal. Yeah. So this one huge. introduced the bow and arrow. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, and that became like the coolest weapon going around. So we would run around yeah. trying to build bows and bow and arrows out of kitchen twine and and um, sticks from the bush. Yeah, shit. Yeah, and dental floss. Oh, dental floss. Oh, we didn't have dental floss in my house yeah. at that age. Back in <laughs> back in eighty five or eighty six or eighty seven, whenever we got our hands on this. So yeah, it was it was a big deal in that sense, but it kind of is a bit blurry. It's a bit blurry because it does. You know, we'll probably talk a little bit about this, but it does blur into other lap pack slash yeah. POW films, for lack of a better example. <laughs> um, in the jungle, you yeah, know, big time. obviously MIA with, with Chuck was a, was, a, was a huge one that was pretty similar. Mm. But Rambo still was big and the bow and arrow was probably the lasting, probably a headband thing too. The headbands, the knife, the bow and arrow. I kind of you just you unlocked a, little, a few little memory chambers mm. in my brain there with the bow and arrow. Yeah, thing. I think we did that too. It came to yeah. me quite late in the note writing, but that was like it was a big basis of like the games you'd play as a kid, running around the storm water pipes or whatever you did. Yeah, exactly. Because it's makeable. Because you can get a stick and you can like kind of sort of make one. And you got bush. We had lots of bush here. Yeah, we had lots of bush. So wait, so did you? You watched this as a as a youngin, but is this the kind of movie you you have rewatched a lot over the years or nah? No, it's not. Yeah, same. Okay, interesting. Because yeah, I I watched this a lot really young, and probably more in fragments as you mm. do when you're young. Mm-hmm. It's not like we sat down or cozied up to watch a, a film. Like you watch a bit of it until your parents realise you shouldn't be watching it. Well, it'd be at Jono's house, and I feel like I used to just walk into his house. That's that's kind of how it worked because it was two houses down. And so this is the kind of thing where I'll just walk into his house and he's watching Rambo 2. And so I feel like I just saw it in lots of chunks over the years. Wherever Jono was up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we loved it. And I think like just the idea of Rambo was even bigger than the movie, mm-hmm. I suppose. Because, yeah, we'd play Rambo. Mm-hmm. Like we would pretend to be Rambo and shit. But like in terms of my memories of the movie, I could only – well, I couldn't really, yeah, distinguish what was this specific film versus what was broader Rambo stuff and mm. probably other action movies. But I did remember the the opening and him hammering the rocks. Um, oh yeah, I didn't remember her dying, but I remember that scene of them, you know, him in the in the water <laughs> killing people. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would sound firing off a machine gun. 
like it'll They're be big really guns. Uh, a lot to, guns. to manage. Yeah. She does all right with it too. Yeah, considering she's about 45 kilos. No lats, yeah. Yeah, so I watched this a lot then and was a big fan of Rambo the Icon. But I just never really like stuck around for Rambo over the years. And we talked about it when we did First Blood that like I kind of didn't really know that First Blood existed for a long time. I just thought Rambo was these movies. Mm. And as as yeah. a young adult, discovering First Blood was pretty exciting and yeah, oh, this is like this is different. Mm. But also Hot Shot, we talked about this on fucking Top Gun. Yeah. That I saw Hot Shots 1 more than Top Gun and I think I saw Hot Shots 2 more than Rambo 2. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. And I didn't realise, I, I literally just read this about five minutes ago, I didn't realise that the the guy that plays the colonel in this, yeah. Richard Krenner, is the colonel in, in yeah. Hot Shots. What are you talking about? You say your war is over. Well, maybe the one out there is, but not the one inside you. You're running away from the pain, but it won't solve anything because wherever you go, you take the pain with you. You've come an awful long way to bring me a lecture, haven't you, Colonel? I know you were hurt when that woman left, but you're just using that to hide from who you really are. That was a long time ago. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. He parodies his own character. Yeah. Good on him. I respect that. So in many ways, it's been exciting to, to come back and revisit this franchise with fresh eyes because it's been a long time. And what better time than like right dead center in a fucking lap pack past and present? Shit. Should we get into the origin story? Yeah. Origin story. All right. So I'll do a brief recap of the origin story for First Blood. So that was based on a book, if we recall by a writer named David Morrill, came out in 1972. He was a writing teacher and wrote this book after some experiences with his students who had recently returned from Vietnam. Pish bash bosh, he got himself a book. The book was really well received. Uh, Stephen King himself used that book as a textbook when he was teaching writing. So, you know, big book, great book, huge book. Uh, needless to say, became hot property in, in Hollywood and lots of people were trying to make it from the 70s onwards. Um, you know, it had that kind of gritty anti-hero vibe to it. There was going to be like a Cuban-Italian version with actor Thomas Millian. Didn't kind of didn't happen. I won't go through all of these things, but mm. essentially this thing was swirling for like mm. 10 years around development hell. It wasn't. There was it? talk of Pacino, Richard Gere, etc. cetera. Um, and then director Ted Kotcheff came along. Uh, from Weekend of Bernie's fame, (laughs) (laughs) which would come later. But still, that's odd. Um, 18 screenplays later, like, uh, you know, crazy. But long story short, this was the film that uh, basically launched Carol Code. And so it, it was a huge success, huge success. Uh, and it wasn't always looking that way because I, I kind of forgot about this and then sometimes as I do when we're doing a sequel, I'll go back and listen to our own podcast for research. But um, I, I totally forgot this but it was it didn't go well. Shooting was mm. a pain and then they ended up with this three-and-a-half-hour cut that was total junk, like it had shit banter in there like with Stallone having one zingers and it was like not good. And he's like, oh, made a huge mistake. And then they had to like show it at some press thing or something. And so they just cut a really short version. And then it turned out by cutting all that other shit out, it was actually pretty good. And, mm. you know, we got the movie we got, yada, yada, yada. Um, if you want more on that, go listen to the episode. There's a whole lot of great, interesting stuff happening there. But this one, fast forward to a couple years later, <laughs> and we got a first draft for this film written by so James Cameron himself. Mm. Isn't that crazy? JC. James Cameron, Jimmy C. He wrote this and Aliens at the same time. He was like getting ready to make T1. So he wasn't the James Cameron we know today so much. He was a young little whippersnapper trying to make a film about a robot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's some really cool stories about him. And how he went about writing these two things. So he says, um, i got a quote here. He says, so I wound up getting two writing gigs the same day. 
One was Rambo First Blood Part 2 and the other was Alien 2. Like I'd gone in the meetings and I wound up getting the phone calls uh, the same morning, so I took both jobs and had three-month period to write Rambo and what became Aliens. So what I did was get a desk for each script. I put one in the bedroom and one in the living room. That way when I moved from one desk to another, all the notes and papers and everything were right where they were supposed to be. Interesting. I like that idea. If only mm-hmm. I had space for more than one desk. Multiple workstations. Pretty cool. And not to give him all the credit because uh, the story, the the crux of the story was, or the story by credit, I suppose, uh, went to a man named Kevin Jari. Jari? He cracked a broad plot, which was Rambo going to rescue some POWs. Mm. But then they they brought Jimmy C in to then turn that into an actual script. And he did. And there was some things in there that never made it uh, because, of course, Stallone likes to do a little cheeky rewrite, um, as we learned a year or so earlier on Beverly Hills Cop. Mm. <laughs> you listen to that episode for some, mm. some juicy stories there. But Cameron, I guess I couldn't find a, a lot of detail on the key differences, but I found some quotes of both Cameron and Sly kind of talking about it, and I guess we can kind of get a vibe of what the differences were. But this is Sly talking about rewriting um, uh, James Cameron. He says, I think that James Cameron is a brilliant talent, but I thought the politics were important, such as a right-wing stance coming from Troutman and his nemesis Murdoch, contrasted by Rambo's obvious neutrality, which I believe is explained in Rambo's final speech. Also, in his original draft, it took nearly 30... 30 to 40 pages to have any action initiated and Rambo was partnered with a techie sidekick. <laughs> I'm, I'm down for a techie sidekick, especially if it was like a dog, like a robot dog or something. Yeah. Um, there was also a simpler storyline. If James Cameron says anything more than that, then he realises he's now doing the backstroke badly in a pool of lies. <laughs> Who said that? Stallone. If Cameron says anything more than that, he realizes he's not doing backstroke in a pool of lies. Backstroke in a pool of lies, Greg. I'm going to use that on Carol. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. That's so good. Why doesn't he write that in there? Put it in the film. Anyway. Could have said that about Troutman. Now, the opposing force in this uh, conversation, Cameron says, I admire the film's success and I'm happy for everyone involved, but I but I always have to distance myself from it because it's not the film I wrote. It was substantially rewritten by Sylvester Stallone. The script that I wrote was pretty violent, but not in such an amoral way. I know very little about Stallone because my work with him consisted of a lunch to discuss the script. He said, I think you should put a girl in it. (laughs) (laughs) Slide in. (laughs) Yeah, that was like his one... (laughs) So they should put a girl in. He's all about he's all about equality, our our sly. Yeah. But another quote I found from Cameron, which is I have no further context on this, it was just kind of mentioned in a broader blurb. But apparently Cameron said he find he found the rewrite breathtaking in its stupidity. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but apparently Travolta was potentially gonna play the sidekick. Like the, the Robin to Rambo's Batman. Oh, God. That'll be interesting. Interesting indeed. Jimmy Chilik is my uh, Maybe for the best. I mean, we obviously, uh, you know, James Cameron knows what he's doing. So I'd be interested to see what the original script really was. But Imagine if that was, yeah. if, if Travolta went down full lap pack mode from there. Yeah. He had potential to, I suppose. It's interesting. Uh, we'll talk more about that pack and people getting jacked and stuff, but I guess it was pretty rare then to have actors just getting jacked because it's hard to imagine him doing that. Mm. Anyway, Stallone rewrites it as as discussed and bish bash posh, you got yourself a film. <laughs> Rap party at the Viper Room or something. Let's play the trailer. Sylvester Stallone is back as Rambo. Rambo's the best combat vet I've ever seen. His mission, to locate American POWs in Vietnam. Think you'll find someone? POWs? Doubtful. His orders, not to engage the enemy. 
He's got 36 hours to complete the mission and reach the extraction point. We're going down! You're not going anywhere. I'm telling you to abort. Double-crossed and left behind enemy lines. You're the one who's making the mistake. Yeah, what mistake? Rambo. And now, he's getting out any way he can. Rambo. What most people call hell, he calls home. Stop him. Sylvester Stallone is back. As Rambo. First Blood, Part 2. Good trailer. Mm. Talks about the movie. It does talk about the movie quite eloquently for quite a long time, so you may have even skipped it. So for, for those that skipped the trailer, Greg, and for those that maybe haven't seen the film in a while, perhaps you could... Uh, Break down the little plot there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to, mate. Happy to. So this is really the P-O-W-O-G. So First Blood sees Rambo taken into custody. Contentiously, he did not die. And he finds himself effectively in a hard labour camp upstate. Hard labour camp. Mm. You know, which is probably a close second to a P-O-W setup. Nevertheless... Mm. Um, then his old mate, old beret Sammy Troutman, comes to visit him with his little beret again. John, I told you that I'd help you when I could. Are you interested? I'll send you back into that jungle that drove you crazy, then you're free. Hey, eh? <laughs> Free to run the streets and get arrested again, probably by Dennehy. <laughs> so he says, sure. So he's out of there. Then uh, he's chopped into Thailand where he gets his debrief. We know very quickly then that uh, things are going to go badly when he's met by a head of the Cobra Kai, Sensei John Kreese. You're the chosen one, huh? You made a hell of a rep for yourself enough. So we learn he gets his debrief uh, from a guy that looks like Brian Denny's brother. And we learn that he's just there for <laughs> intel. You're not going to extract anyone, just take some photos. Rambo, you're probably aware that there's almost 2,500 Americans still missing in action in Southeast Asia. Now, most of these boys are presumed killed, but to the League of Families, Congress, and lots of Americans, it's still a very emotional issue. So he's parachuted into deep jungle Nam. Uh, there was some complications with his exit of the plane. It's been a while, Tristan, you know. You don't, he was a bit rusty with the old get out of the plane. Uh, and he loses all his equipment except for his knife and a giant bow and arrow. So then he meets his local guide. Wouldn't you know, she's a babe. Did not expect a woman, no. Um, not super Viet-looking or sounding, but, you know, this is the 80s. I was thinking that a lot of the casting of, like, Asian women in these movies at the time, they were almost always, like, half white. Like, yeah. They were pretty white. They were, like, Asian the chicks. whiter yeah. shade of half. Yeah, yeah. So she helps him find the camp. But instead of taking the pictures, he's like, no, I'm not going to leave these guys here. Uh, so he busts one out at least. Can't remember what happens there. He gets someone out. A heavily malnourished man. They get to the chopper pickup point. The center base learns that he's picked up a soldier. Mr. Murdoch, Dragonfly reports the ground crew has what appears to be an American POW with him. And the dinner he liked guy back at HQ, he's like, no, 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 that's not the plan. I didn't want to actually show those people there. That's a, that's a headache. I want you to abort the mission immediately. I say again, this is a recall. Confirm, over. Say again, Coach One. Say again. I'm telling you to abort. Chapman's like, no. He's like, yes. So Chapman's like, okay. Chapman, yet to do a lot for Rambo. Uh, <laughs> he's... Good point, man. He's... Yeah, they, they turn, the, turn the helicopter around. And then, you know what happens? Gets picked up by the guys and taken to the POW camp. Yeah. Now he gets there and there's some Russians too because, you know, they're baddies. They're, you got the Red Star, commies, commie yeah. bastards. They're there. I don't know why, but they're there. Yeah. Uh, they electrocute him. 
on this like electrocution board, which is good because it allows us to truly experience the physique. All those little muscles in there oh, yeah. between the ribs and such. Yeah, you, that's how you see them. <laughs> Oil him up and spread him out and then get some... It's a real showcase for the, for the lap pack uh, physique. Well, that's it. They, they borrowed it in uh, Showdown. Showdown. Tokyo, didn't they? But guess what, Tristan? He breaks out again, and this time it's personal. <laughs> so he's on the run. He's got the girl. I can't remember. He's probably got a POW. That POW is probably dead by now. And then the girl gets blown up as well. She was going to come back to America with him for the quiet life, so that was very sad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, look, then he takes, you know, there's a bit of game of cat and mouse. Not as suspenseful as uh, number one, but, the, you know, a few killings and uh, you, you know what happens. He gets out of there and he's upset still and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, there you go. Bish, bash, bosh. You got yourself a plot. You made a good point there that I didn't really think a ton about. Just uh, Troutman. Is he really, like, the villain in all this just by kind of being <laughs> useless? <laughs> <laughs> he certainly doesn't, you know, good intentions only get you so far, Tristan, with me at least. <laughs> actions speak louder than words. I agree. Yeah, action, action, action speaks louder than words, 100%. I mean, it certainly does in this film when you say. Ooh. What did you think? And I kept thinking I was watching Hot Shots. Hot Shots. Hot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, side note, because uh, Shane got jacked for hot shots too as well, right? Like that was mm. not to this level, but for someone that's not lap pack whatsoever in a comedy, it's impressive. Yeah. Did you like it though? Were you an enjoyable watch? It's an enjoyable watch when you realise how, uh, I guess, influential it was for a period of time. Yeah. Um, so that's was like, oh, wow, oh, wow. Um, that was yeah. kind of the main, just recognising its role in the lap pack history is Significant. Yeah, I agree. Like, A, it was a good time, but B, it felt the whole time, and, you know, I wasn't watching it in great circumstances. I, w- I watched it twice this week once because I was I was out of town. And I watched it, like, on my laptop in bed and then I watched it on the train home. Uh, but it was still a very compelling experience. And to your point, like the whole thing felt very iconic, like almost like you're watching The Godfather or something. Like it felt <laughs> almost like you're seeing all these things <laughs> for different reasons, I suppose, but you're seeing all these things that are pretty iconic, at least for a couple of guys like us and for all the movies that followed and you're seeing like the blueprint for a lot of things. It was pretty exciting. Um, and, I, yeah, I did have a couple of the Hot Shots crossoversies there. Like, I mean, I wasn't expecting him to fight with gummy bears on his fists or anything, but, you know, there were a couple of just visuals that. Yeah. <laughs> um, equally confused by the Russians thing. I, I thought, was is that, because I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to war and history and um, smart things, but the Russians, there's no reason for the Russians to be there, right? Is that just the 80s movies thing? Communist, so. Were they allies? Maybe, maybe they were right. ally helping him out. I don't. I don't know. But let's say yes yeah. to give them a benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but I don't know why their troops were like visiting obscure, secret POW camps. Yeah, because also the, the war's over after the war point, ended. I think right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the war's not over to say so. The war's back in America. Um, I forgot the chick died, and I was pretty shook to be honest with you. When she but got then, exploded. Again, because I've – yeah. Well, she just got shot up. She oh, yeah, exploded. sorry. That was someone else got exploded. But she got shot up pretty good. It was a machine gun. Yeah, she got she got shot up real bad. But then I realised I, – I guess this is – I mean, it is – I guess it's part of the law and everything, but I kind of didn't – I never realised that his red headband came from her. That was like the origin story of the red headband. Oh, I didn't even notice. Why is she wearing a red headband? No, she was wearing a red dress and I think he got it from the dress or like she tied a red part of her dress around his hand when he injured his hand and I, I don't know. But it's it's from that, I'm fairly certain. Uh, so that was quite cool. Little, uh, It's not really an Easter egg because it's not like this was made after the fact. that That's just how it happened, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Origin story of the headband. But, yeah, it's hard not to compare it to First Blood 
but it, that just does it a disservice. Like I kept going back and mm. forth on like, because I like this movie. I don't know that I love it as a sequel to First Blood though, because it kind of feels anti to what was good about a lot of that. Uh, but then I still do like this movie. So what does it even matter? I don't know. But I guess I guess it's maybe similar to Rocky movies. Mm-hmm. A similar trajectory in terms of how the sequels kind of evolved. Yeah. It is interesting, isn't it, that Sly's out there making. So he obviously made Rocky, wrote Rocky. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm just trying to th- pinpoint the the moment when he decided that he wanted to make more commercial sort of mass market. Yeah. Rambo 2, he's the one pushing to, by the sounds of what you've said with his conversations with <clears throat> James Cameron, he's the one pushing to make this uh, a little bit, well, what was he striving for, do you think? Like what were the... I think he's definitely pushing it in the direction you're suggesting. And it is a weird thing because in First Blood, the book was more violent and it was... Stallone wrote the script for First Blood too, right? I'm pretty sure, or at least a version of it at some so. point in the process. And he didn't want Rambo to kill anyone in that. Mm. So it's interesting that he's kind of gone the opposite in this. He also wrote Rocky One. The first movies in both of those franchises are like significant critical darlings and kind of low-key dramas, mm-hmm. both written by Stallone. But then the same man would then come and do the sequels and kind of just steer them off into lap pack mm. adventure zone. Mm. But, and it's fascinating. Yeah, I don't know where it comes from because this, this same man would then later complain about the prison of his own creation of being stuck in lap pack territory and yeah. not getting to make things like Copland more often. So it's, yeah, it's funny. I'm not saying, I mean, we all create our own prisons, I suppose. I'm not saying he's a hypocrite or anything, but it's just, it's interesting because it's not coming externally. He's doing this. Mm. It's weird. It is a hard one to to nail down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Fair play. He's had a is a what was it? The third was this second or third biggest film of the year? Did you say? Second. Second. Second biggest. And that was global, so who knows? Maybe it was well, I don't think it was bigger than Back to the Future. No, it wasn't, but it was big. Yeah. It's also interesting to think of this as nineteen eighty five. Like watching it, it doesn't feel as old as that. Mm. But that's kind of neither here nor there. But I think your your point's a good one and maybe a good segue into like putting some context around where this sits in maybe the history of action movies and lap pack, et cetera, mm. because this is Rambo two. And I think we both have gone into this alike. This is probably the one, right? This is probably the blueprint. I was, I was doing a little sense checking just to make sure there wasn't some obvious one we were missing. Obviously we got first blood before this and then commando came out the same year as this, but more from a macro point of view, I suppose some of the OG action movies in Hollywood were the Westerns. Yeah. yeah. And then it kind of evolved into martial arts. And apparently the martial arts thing was actually martial arts and disaster movies. Apparently those becoming more popular was as a result of Vietnam and people not really wanting to see people shoot each other a lot. Uh-huh. And so these kind of non, non-shooty-shooty bang-bang action movies came up, so more fisties and spinny kicks and escaping burning buildings kind of shit, yeah. Towering Inferno, etc. And then you kind of had like the postmodern action movies like Indiana Jones that were taking like these low culture uh, pulpy things and turning them into big adventure action blockbusters, mm. so like yeah, Indiana Jones and then and the like. And then it feels like this is the the next wave all of its own, which I guess you could argue that, First Blood and the first Terminator were at least the first steps, but I wouldn't call them, they're not really the blueprint for Lat Pack as mm. we kind of refer it to, right? Like First Blood is really a, a drama, almost a tragedy. Terminator 1 is almost more a slasher film than it is an action film. But they both both those movies kind of planted seeds for the for the sequels that would then go on to define the genre because you know Terminator Two is also the you know a bit later in the timeline but really solidifies the nineties action movie. It's mm. it's fascinating. But I guess what I'm saying is this does feel like it is the one, right? And so whatever Stallone was thinking in his, how he was evolving these franchises, he was, I guess, pioneering. Yeah. The lap pack picture. Definitely. Yeah. Um, 
where it came from. But it is because he doesn't. I haven't at least heard him talk about it and go. There was a market yeah. for people who just wanted to see my rig, guns, yeah, explosions. I was expecting to be able to find a lot more of him talking about it, but he, I couldn't find much because it's definitely he, he's he's conscious with these decisions, you know. Yeah. And he, you know, Arnie at least was a bodybuilder, right? Yeah. And, you know, in and in all those kind of broader action genre evolutions I mentioned, no one's getting jacked in those. Arnie is already jacked and gets cast as a killer robot for his jackedness. But Stallone is maybe the first person to, like, take it on himself to get fucking ripped for Insanely a movie, right? ripped. And he's taken that initiative to define such a fucking huge part of the genre. Fast forward to now and that's such a huge part of, I guess... Hollywood. Rightly or wrongly, the the action movies of today are kind of the Marvel movies, I suppose. And getting jacked is the whole thing. A hundred percent. And it's it's broadly a theme through Hollywood. Like even... Yeah. So chatting with my mate, it, it was trying to get into the Hollywood scene a couple of years ago and he was like, you know, there's, there's, of course, there's like one or two roles for the other guy, but like especially leading men, um, and I'm sure it's the same for, mm. for women too, but the leading men, like you had to have a six-pack. You had to, well, yeah. you have to be good looking, but the, you, you had to have a rig like an athlete. Like it's part of the, yeah, it's the part of the criteria. Yeah. And so I guess we can say that fucking Stallone started that shit, <laughs> for better or worse. <laughs> Sucks yeah. to be us. But I guess, I guess we'll just be character actors. We'll be the supporting friend. We'll be the other the guy, tech sidekick. We'll be Thor <laughs> without the without the bodysuit. Yeah, built-in bodysuit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I go. I went method. <laughs> and the other thing I was thinking along those lines, because yes, yeah, so I think there's a few things that this movie has that became staples of the genre, the subgenre, like the one-man army. They're just over the top body count, that kind of thing. Slow-mo jumps from explosions, you know, Ooh, all that yeah. shit's here. But one thing one thing was notably missing, uh, a, a real true lap pack fun trope, is the quips, right? There's no quips, no quipping. There's one quip, but it is quip. It's very quip light. I had the same thought that there's one, ah, oh, forget it. When he first, I think maybe when he first meets up with her in, in um, when he lands in, oh, yeah. in um in Vietnam. Oh, yeah. I forget what he says, it, but I'm pretty sure there's one. But I was like, oh. She's like, you weren't expecting a lady. <laughs> I was, wasn't, wasn't expecting such a bad accent. <laughs> yeah, her accent's not good, is it? It's like she's obviously not from Vietnam. I thought she was trying to do a Thai accent. Yeah, but it was in this weird, I don't know. I don't even know how to talk about it because I have no qualifications in that. Space, but like, it's well, having, other weird. than having heard <laughs> what the accent's meant to sound like, yeah, yeah. The eighties baby, right. she was like, she is Singaporean American, apparently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and but I think the script like literally had the broken English written For that her. way, so her accent didn't match the broken English. Uh, not that I, you know, I'm the gatekeeper on that, but it just it just felt off. Anyway, it's a lull. Point I'm leading to here with the quippiness is that I think another film we've covered that came out the same year, Commando, which um, I think timeline-wise or or at least evolution of Lat Pack movie-wise, I'd always thought of as, you know, just Arnie's version of Rambo, but it does bring its own piece to the genre that Rambo doesn't have, which is the quips. That movie is all quips. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's right, Major. You did. I lied. It's dense. I mean, he can turn it into a sitcom. Someone's done that on the internet. <laughs> I heard. Some Check genius it out. did that. <laughs> and so I was thinking, fuck, you know, we mentioned Rocky Four came out this year too. And I think, so while, while this movie, First Blood Part Two, is maybe the most influential in a highly influential year. We cannot discount the impact of uh, Commando and, and potentially Rocky Four as well. And they're, they're almost maybe the, the the yin and yang of 1985 Dawn of Lap You know, with, with these two fucking Lap Pack icons yeah. front and centre as well. It's it's kind of beautiful. I guess they're twin movies. They came out the same year. I didn't realise that. I thought there was a bit more space between It's them. probably, you know, 
also the genesis of their competitive their competitive relationship that kind of exists to this day, right? Yeah. And then Schwarzenegger, I've I, I read that you guys actually hated each other for a while. Well, we were very competitive. Yeah, I think hate's a good word. <laughs> it, 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 it is. Come on. <laughs> Did you ever hate somebody so much you go, I got to get to the gym, I got to... And, you know, a musician go, oh, I hate this guy. I'm going to blow him away next to yeah. audition. You can now, I really respect this guy. I think I think he's brilliant. What yeah. he's done, what he's accomplished, he's had three different careers. Oh, he's great. But I want to strangle him. You want to strangle him? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Well, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, you, you would do Rambo and then he would do... Commando. Commando, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It's kind of this um, this year is a real great sweet spot in what is, I suppose, the the arms race. It's not really an arms race because it's more lats Stallone race. catching up. <laughs> but, but, yeah, the lats race into who can – because I think they even had um, – I think we talked about it on Commando or First Blood that they would have like keeping tallies of kill counts and things. How many did I kill in that movie? How many did mm. you kill, et cetera? Those two icons, egos, trying to beat each other in these things is what gave us – this beautiful magical genre. This beautiful magical lucky. body count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the body count in this? Like 60, 70? I don't know. Good point. Good question. Definitely less than Commando. Let's see. Yeah. 81. Oh, there you go. So it's 81 for Commando and 74 for Rambo 2. Second blood. Yeah, so I only won that round, I suppose. Run by six bodies. Damn. Well, that's just one helicopter. <laughs> All it took was one more, one more chopper. Mm. We've got to do. Um, since we're talking about body count, we've got to talk about the rig. Jesus Christ! It's pretty mental, hey. This guy was ripped. It was about eight months of uh, training, four hours a day, toughing myself up. Uh, the SWAT combat courses, the archery courses, the uh, survivalist courses. So obviously he. Again, took it upon himself to do this shit. No one's asking him to do it, I don't think. Can I make an observation just quickly? I feel like if you're that kind of, if if that's your bit, it, you're not giving yourself much body fat to work with if you end up in a POW camp. <laughs> that's true. You and I, Tristan, we could, we'd be all right. I've been there for months. We're good. On end. But John... You, you're giving yourself no buffer. You're walking around at about 3% body fat there. All buff, no buffer. You're right. You know? It's true. you, you got to think of these things. Anyway, that's my take on it. It's very astute on your part. I agree. Yeah, because, you know, he talks about he did it to be authentic to the role, but I'm pretty sure that's not, to your point, <laughs> the ideal composition. Looks good though. Man, it looks good. He looks great. He's so shreddy. <laughs> He's so shreddy. Yeah, obviously he, he gets bigger, but in terms of shreddedness, that's fucking shreddy, man. Yeah. Like he must be sub 5% in that shit. It definitely sub 5. Apparently he did, I don't know you're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this, what his regime, his regime was. Well, apparently he trained with Franco Colombo. Oh, Colombo, you. How good is that? Bastard. Yeah, isn't that delightful? Dude, what did Arnie say? I don't know. It feels like a betrayal, doesn't a it? Bit. But apparently they knew, they'd known each other for a while for unrelated reasons. Italian. And, um, yeah, I guess so. Um, Franco Colombo, big friend of the show um, in, in that we love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he never knew we existed, but we love him. <laughs> Certainly. Um, Arnie's best friend and, you know, strongest man in the world. He can explode a fucking water bottle with his... Lungs, which takes over 500 pounds of pressure. Remember that part in uh, Pumping Iron? Yeah, so good. But I found a clip of uh, Franco talking about it, which is delightful. I'll, I'll play it for you right now. When I come to the United States, I started training together with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we trained for competition for the Mr. Universe, Mr. Olympia. And in 1974, I went to Karoprati College. And then when I graduated in 1977, Sly Stallone came to me as a chiropractic patient, which I used to work on him to fix his uh, injuries when he, he did a lot of training before. And the time I met him was when he was finishing Rocky One. 
And um, then Sly Stallone and Andy Vanya, they approached me to train him for Rambo 2 because they wanted him to be bigger. He came over to the house and actually brought me a picture that he took from a magazine, from Muscle and Fitness magazine. And he says, Franco, can Sly Stallone look like this? I say, yes. I say, but how long? He says, we got only seven to eight weeks time. And I looked at it. And, you know, he has a lot of good abdominals, good chest, but not too big. And I said, but this is much bigger than Stallone used to look like for Rambo 1. And he says, yes, we have in the script that he's 10 pounds heavier to 15 pounds. I said, okay, what about if he doesn't get to look like that? And he says, oh, I will fire him. I said, wow, you know. <laughs> it's pretty funny because then he goes into... Um the actual, this whole video, it goes for 40 minutes and it's him going through the workout. And it's so interesting to watch because obviously the dude trained hard and as we all know now as adults, like 90% of it is nutrition. But like him talking through the workout, it's refreshingly simple. Yeah, but like For the biceps, we do a curls. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the triceps, we do a tricep extension. For the chest, like, we do a bench press. Everything's so overcomplicated now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all there is to it. You just do that. He trained, I mean, in terms of frequency of workout, he was training like twice a day, five days a week or some crazy shit. So not sustainable long-term, but they had seven weeks and I guess they just focused on the shred rather than getting any bigger. But apparently there was no roids involved. Franco wouldn't allow it because it would it would be too bloaty. I'd he buy wouldn't, that based on ripness. what he looks like in that. Yeah. yeah, it's achievable. It's not easy, but it's achievable. Speaking of it's achievable, he was 38. Maybe when you, so I guess, um, is he? I was about to say maybe when you're younger. Shit, not going out of excuses. No, exactly. So I'm 38. So this is my Rambo year. I've got to do it. I've just, <laughs> Go. I've just. You got to do much. I've gone through the 4th of July with the worst rig I've ever had. And it's th- I'm 38. I just watched Rambo 2. I just got some new shoes for the gym. What else is there? I'm about to get ripped. I watched Franco Colombo's training video. There is nothing it's gonna else. Happen. It's my year, Greg. It is. <laughs> Take it. But I love this because, um, We've shared many over the years, just those great photos of um, Franco and Arnie and Stallone and I never really knew the context behind them. I suppose it was this, probably. That's good intel. I, I never knew that. Yeah. I had no idea. What a delightful little tangent. Mm-hmm. Do you know what amazes me for these, um, you know, I think broadly speaking the, the work ethic of these action superstars is what I admire most. So, you know, point. The Rock's a good example of in the modern era. That guy doesn't sleep a lot. He trains like the house down. He yeah. runs, he shoots all day and then goes and works on his businesses and then closes his eyes for 10 minutes and gets up and does it all again. Uh, yeah. You know, we talked a lot about um, Michael J. Fox in that era, was working like a bandit doing two shows. Yeah. Probably not pumping as much iron, but. You know, the work ethic was there. Mm. Sly was doing, so that you said it was not sustainable. It obviously, he trained his ass off up until shooting. And then through shooting, he was training, worked, it sounds like about four hours a day. He was getting up and doing a couple of hours before shooting, <sighs> shooting all day in Mexico in what sounded like pretty harsh conditions for the shoot. Damn. And then everyone would be cooked and they'd go home and rest. And he'd go to the gym and do another couple of hours at the end of the, every day. Like, after a full day of shooting, having trained in the morning. At 38, man. Also, when you're that ripped, it's so tangible, the impact that your workout is having. Like if you're like at that level of body fat, you have a bowl of pasta and it's, oh, you can almost see it. <laughs> so I feel like you'd be you'd be so addicted at that point. Like uh, you just, I better get back to the, the gym just to make sure, you know, just to, it's, it's kind of crazy. And that's a good point too. You mentioned like The Rock and I guess modern action heroes I think it's changing a bit, but the giving these guys credit for physical acting. Like I remember a few years ago, I saw I think I saw it on a talk show or something, and it was um, Paul Bettany making fun of Jason Statham. I think because Jason Statham said something about not having a stunt double, not needing a stunt double, 
And then I think Paul Bettany said something like, yeah, well, he should have an acting double. Oh, snap. <laughs> a bit like in the same way that I feel like comedic actors don't get a lot of credit. Like action heroes, it is a specific form of acting that I don't think a lot of people can pull off. Mm. Like Keanu has found his sweet spot in it now, but for it's almost like giving him his third era of his career being action man. Um, but not a lot of people can pull it off. And fucking respect these guys because totally. the physicality involved, that is all acting. Acting isn't just delivering lines. It's like the presence. It's the yeah. believing that Rambo is running around doing this shit and you believe it. That's, a, that's, that's a, acting, That's a man. great point. And respect. To another example is um, Tom Cruise who's pretty much cementing his legacy yeah, now. exactly. As an action star. That's like, like you know, he's obviously been on an exactly. interesting roller coaster of a career. Yeah, uh, since the eighties, and and now this is kind of what's his legacy is forming up in that shape because he's sixty, running around, jumping off, flying fighter jets and motorbikes, and yeah, jumping off things. Exactly. So he's kind of closing the loop on that one a little bit, and kind of showing uh, the 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 fact that that is a skill and that's to be respected. Mm. I respect that. I respect Tom for that. Tangent for you, Greg. The novelization of this movie is kind of interesting because obviously the first movie was based on a novel by uh, David Morrill, but then he came back to write the novelization of this film. Mm. But he, and typically novelizations are just, you know, word for word, what happened in the film written down kind of thing. But he took a different approach. He basically expanded upon and also tried to have it function as a sequel to his book as well. And so it's a bit different to the movie. So he, he what did he say? He took it back. So he follows a, a lot more plot points and a lot more detail. There's more characters, more scenes. He made it more, vi- I don't understand this, but he made it more violent <laughs> to be consistent with the first book because as I mentioned in, in the first book he does kill people but not in the movie. And oh yeah, and in the book, there's a whole bunch of differences. I won't go through them all. I get the feeling maybe it might also be closer to James Cameron's script in mm. some ways. I don't think there's a zany sidekick, but but there's just more detail. So it was revealed that Lieutenant Tay, um, the uh, proxy for for Dennehy, um, apparently he tortured Rambo in his original tour of duty in Nam. So there was extra, you know, oh. backstory there. So lots of that kind of detail, uh, which is interesting. And I think he did it for Rambo 3 as well. So it's fascinating. The whole novelization thing is funny. I went down a whole real rabbit hole with that and the only interesting thing I found was really that <laughs> they peaked in the 70s before yeah. <laughs> before home video was a thing. Cause you, yeah, because you couldn't relive it so you would read it. Mm. So like Star Wars, novelization, Alien and Star Trek were like massive mm. in the 70s. Interesting. I'll tell you one trend that I think we can unpack more next week when we go into Last Blood. Yeah. But I um, I watched mm. all the Rambos last week. Sorry, from two. Ah, oh, you have to be meaning to ask about this. So I watched yeah. two and then I watched three, then I watched four, then I watched five because I was like, oh, I'm just kind of on a roll here and it's easy viewing and here we are. I had a quiet weekend. <laughs> so the probably – the standout change in these films is the presence of gore and treatment of violence. Yeah. And it's just exponentially more hectic now. Like Really? Watching this, so Rambo 2, I would argue, is significantly less gory than Stranger Things. Interesting. And I know it's a slightly different genre. Fuck. I don't know what genre Stranger Things is. But like yeah. just to give a reference point for something that's, you know, we're watching at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's um, good point. There's not much. It's not that violent. These like I know that lots of people die, but the when people get stabbed in this, like the good example is when he stabs the um the guy on the boat through the top of the boat, and then the blood just drips down his hand. Uh, That's yeah. all you see. That's that was like yeah. a big uh, moment. And yeah, someone explodes, but yeah. it's from a distance, and you don't really, you know, it's pretty. And they explode just kind of into nothing. Yeah, like there's not blood and guts everywhere. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. Versus, and we'll, as I say, we can talk about it more next week. But just keep it. I mean, keep that in mind when you when you go to watch the new one, and you probably yeah. won't even need to because you'll work it out for yourself very quickly. It's just, uh, it's it's fascinating, man. Like 
we talked about this as well, obviously, with last week with Universal Soldier, mm. that being more genre bending into into horror. Um, watching Last Blood and 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 even John Rambo, that was probably the biggest jump. Um, yeah, you know, they're still action movies. They're, they're not really genre bending. I would I would argue, and they're still yeah significantly higher octane on the. Like the violence is a lot more visceral. We're becoming and, so desensitized. Mm, fully. Yeah. Fuck, that's a good point. I want to try and watch them all too because it'll be good to, uh, you know, we're doing past and present. It'll be great to fill in the gaps along the way. Not I skip. Yeah. Story. Let's see how I go with that. I'll try. See so how you go. I skipped through <laughs> skip three one? a little bit. Like I kind of just got right. the gist of what was happening. <laughs> it was more of a gist viewing. Yeah. And then I watched John Rambo and Last Blood. Which one did you like the best? Ooh. Oh, man, I don't know. Um, beyond, you mean of the newer ones or? Yeah, I guess aside from the first one. Oh, man, good question. Um, I'll have to marinate on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll do the same and then. Uh, we can rank it. We can rank them in the, in the, when we do the last blood. Yeah. I was, looking at, I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes to see what the official ranking is. Fuck, they're all so low. They're all like in the 30s. One's in the 20s. Yeah, right. Rainbow 3 is technically the highest rated, but, I mean, at that point, splitting hairs. Should we get into the verdict? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Man, it's a rewatch for me. It's funny. I, uh, it's kind of exactly what I expected in a lot of ways, but almost in the right way because it was, like I was saying, it felt, you're seeing all these things and it feels iconic. But I would say, like, is it the perfect sequel to First Blood? Probably not. But is it a great lap pack adventure in its own right? I, I would give. I would say yes, Kent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's in, like we talked about it in the first one. You know, Rambo dies in the first one. It's probably a tighter film, but then we don't have yeah. Rambo. You know, we don't have this. Yeah, and you know, it, whilst it's not a critical powerhouse like the first one is, it definitely serves its role in the cinema universe. Yeah, yeah, and I it agree. gave us hot shots and other things. Yeah, big time. And it gave us a bunch of Simpsons references, I suppose, but we did it in the last, in the first pod episode. So go listen to that. Mm. But apparently, so instead of did Simpsons do it, I was looking at some other ones. Golden Girls apparently were big <laughs> fans of Rambo. They thought it was a bad. That rings a bell. That <laughs> rings a bell, especially the old, the old mum. Yeah. Well, yeah. Stuff where my mum will shoot. Maybe that was the connection. Um, oh, yeah. And then I was thinking, do you remember the Three Little Piggies song? The little Pig, Little, when it became out as a single. Rambo's in that. He's in the end of that song. Like, yo, Wolfface, I'm your worst name. Yeah, because he kills a pig. Anyway, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, porn parody. I'm sure we've covered this before, but I looked it up again. There's Rambone. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. And Bimbo. Rambone. Yeah, Rambone and Bimbo. Bechdel test, no. FX test, yes, I would say so. Lots of explosions and things, lots of grease um, on abs. Mm-hmm. I was watching a, a behind-the-scenes thing and the chick was like, um, oh, the most annoying part was someone would have to spray me with water about five times a day. And I was like, fuck, some creepy guy just fucking keeping her. Well, I don't want to say the word because it sounds inappropate. Keeping yeah, her just, just moist. Real creep. Yeah, contextually, you know what I mean. Misting, misting her. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, fuck, recasting. I actually wanted to come up with a recasting because because I would be down for a straight up reboot of Rambo. Like, why can't we? Why can't Rambo be like the lap pack version of a James Bond where you just keep reimagining? Give us a new it. Rambo. Uh, I'd be down with that. It's hard to find those puppy dog eyes though on a on a rig. It's you know. Yeah. It has to be has to be a rig, but not a pretty boy. So it's a hard one. I couldn't quite quite crack. Um, 
Because you don't, yeah, you don't want like a, just a conventional, uh, you don't want Ryan Gosling or something. It's going to be, yeah. Maybe we don't really have this type anymore. It's interesting. It raises many questions. Mm, doesn't it just? Mm. Who's your MVP? Oh, I guess it's Rambo. I don't know. Yeah, same. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> he put in the work. He did. Let him have it. Yeah. Uh, and then next week, well, that, I guess that's it for this week. But next week we're doing Last Blood. That's exciting. Yeah, go and watch it if you haven't already. Yeah. Uh, on In Australia, I think it's on Netflix. I think in the US it's on HBO Max. So at least this one was. So I assume the whole the whole gang's there. They're split Rainbow up here. The there. early ones are Stan here and then the later ones are Netflix. Oh, it's fucking mayhem. Which is the style at the time. Oh, look, here's some more rain in, in Sydney. More rain. Great. <laughs> All right, well, hey, we've got a Facebook group for you guys to, to come in and continue the conversation. So why don't we do that on Facebook? There will be a link in the description. Yeah, we enjoy your inputs there as well. It's been fun. It's been delightful. We enjoy the banter. Um, but until then, we'll, we'll see you next week. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye. You mentioned that that one stunt. You were involved in that stunt. Closer, the uh, the fire thing. Well, there's a. What happens is there's a little bit of madness that seems to permeate my brain when I'm doing a character like this. It, it, it seems like you I start want to act, believe what, you that start you can to do believe this. Believe sometimes that I want to do that stunt. And what they do is they fire that gasoline from a cannon, and you you, you mark it off about 30 feet away and. As they fire, you, you hopefully that it's the same amount every time. And as you run, you, if you keep a certain speed, you'll just clear this ball of fire. If you don't, we're having Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies tonight. <laughs> you know? Yeah, thank you for coming. I know you can't stay tonight. It opens tomorrow all around the country. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Folks, I'll, I'm staying. <laughs> You've got the maestro. Bye. Thanks for coming. Thanks.